0: Welcome to Motherfucker, a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dark Lachey. I'm Patrick Lachey.
2: And I'm Gero Dean McAvoy.
0: Hey Gero how are you getting on over there?
2: I'm getting on well, do you know, I'm getting on really well. We don't have a heatwave, and do you know what? I'm actually grand with that, because <laughs> stress of that, <laughs> like...
0: So... In relation to, we're, we're just before we get into today's topic. Uh, I gotta ask you, gotta ask you a very important question. Ken yeah. who?
2: Um, well, Um, but I, okay, I'm gonna start this off with a bit of a. Uh, uh, justification here i am a gryffindor and anybody who <laughs> tells me otherwise can piss right off but like i'm a gryffindor in the way that not everybody who's like half interested in harry potter is like no oh, i'm a gryffindor like you saw the movie once and you decided you were a gryffindor sean like that's not how it works <laughs> genuinely i identify wholeheartedly with that house okay. um so yeah thanks for asking guys
1: yeah everyone's a gryffindor uh, see I've- no one's a hufflepuff <laughs> I'm gonna... Listen,
2: there's nothing there's something wrong with Hufflepuffs, said the Gryffindor. But like, <laughs> at the same time, mm. <laughs> like, if that's your identity, own it. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But just I wouldn't be caught dead in that weird common room next to the kitchens.
0: I see. <laughs>
2: where no one wants to go, where the book doesn't even go, because what's the point?
1: So mm-hmm. before anyone um, just switches off their podcast app and stops listening, <coughs> I need to clarify, we have not become yes. a Harry Potter fan podcast. But we are talking about that book, that uh, intrinsically important book in the cor- the only book most of the people of our generation have read, uh, because uh, it's a very famously translated book, isn't that right, Derek?
0: It is indeed. It's it's. I think it's been translated. It's one of the most translated texts in the world, over over eighty languages. Last checked, including Lowland Scots. Your your pals, the the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is in. No, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in. Lolan Scott's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stun. Stun. Stun.
1: (laughs) Has it been translated into Ulster Scots?
0: Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the, uh, coincidentally, it looks an awful lot like the English version. <laughs> does it does. Uh, Harry Potter and <laughs> the <that laughs> Philosopher's <Yeah>. Stone. <laughs> but, that's
2: unusual, that.
0: But, but having said that, the three juggernauts of 90s pop culture would be The Simpsons, Friends, and Harry Potter. And they have been very, very widely referenced by young people. So much so that in 50 years time, people will be reading stuff that was written down now. And if they weren't familiar with those three texts, they wouldn't understand most of the references people don't people i find i make simpsons references without even realizing it people even in the recent primary debates in america there's been so many harry potter references made about kind of oh, certain people. F- Yeah,
1: read a different book yes it's just <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing wrong with harry potter it's really great and, and it's responsible for getting an awful lot of people my age and younger reading which is brilliant. People that I went to school with that never picked up a novel ever picked up Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And they went on to follow all of the Harry Potter books, to read all of those and all the subsequent books and all the spin offs and everything. And then they went on to other literature, other, uh, even not as literary books. They went on to read thrillers and novelists, uh, you know, novels and romances and horrors. And it was great. It got people reading. But for fuck's sake, stop comparing everything to Harry Potter. <laughs> it's like, oh no, like Trump. It's like, uh, oh my God, it's like when they put uh, Sirius into ask
2: oh, I'll read a different book
1: <laughs> so this is the thing
2: I think it's I think it's so indicative when they use it in that context particularly and like when like politicians use it it's like them trying to be like it's like that meme where they're like oh hey fellow kids like <laughs> I-, I relate to something that you all had when you were a child like vote for me like a certain politician who shall remain nameless who remembers Tamagotchi and the Powerpuff Girls and therefore you should vote for her for the <laughs> NAP elections.
1: Remember nostalgia? Um, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember times that are gone past? Yeah, same, vote for me. And then people did, whatever.
0: The thing is... <laughs> I do have a functioning memory. It's, um... <laughs> it's It was fun to slag that before the election, but it actually worked. I know.
1: Yeah, I mean, right? it's, it's not so much to say that that worked. Like, it didn't...
0: It didn't ruin. It didn't everything.
1: cost her the election, like mm-hmm. should we say? But I can't imagine there was anyone who said, "I remember Tamagotchis and Powerpuff Girls." I'll vote for you. No, <laughs> number
2: one. <laughs> remember that time Mary Robinson got elected? No, you don't. You were three. Yeah. <laughs> get, get out. <laughs>
0: the yeah, the brass neck, but the um. So I actually I never read the Harry Potter books. I haven't read a single Harry Potter book and I've only seen a couple of the films. And oh none, my of, God. none of them twice.
1: Wow, you are just the right person to so, steer this ship, aren't you? <laughs> this is, no,
0: I, so, sorry.
2: You you land this on me now. Like sorry. No, the the
0: context here, I suppose, is that I mean I am I g I'm I'm I even for me, like I know more about Harry Potter than some books I actually have read. Because it's the it's so all permeating yeah. in our culture, and so that that's the thing—the fact that I say it like the the same way that like I can name more Kardashians than uh, European prime ministers, um, even though I don't actually watch the show, or like it's just some some things actually spill over the fact that you can't not be aware of them. Yeah, I yeah, I'm and not to call
2: you old or anything, but like <laughs> I suppose you're of that like age generation that like. You were so, so I would have grown up with Harry yeah. Potter, and we're not the same age. No, <laughs> so I, I guess that's probably a lot of it too. Yeah,
1: yeah I, Derek, it wasn't
0: for you. I know. And <laughs> I I realise <laughs> that. And, and I'm not expecting, I suppose, it to be for me. I, I was in university when the first one came out. You were in your hole, were you? 1997.
1: Were you? Really? Where you were you in university 19, in, yeah. in 1997?
0: Yes. I was in first year.
1: Oh, My God, God. I was in first year of secondary so school. Old. I think Garadine was an embryo. <laughs> I was eight when yeah. the first
2: one came out. Practically. <laughs> sorry, no, nineteen ninety-seven. Sorry, yeah, I was eight when I started reading it. I was uh, I was five when the first one came out. Yeah.
0: So there you have um, it. Ooh. And I had nearly told very you
2: little interest in that.
0: Okay, so but but yeah, but the um, so yes, yeah, so, um, Harry Potter came out in nineteen ninety-seven, and since then it has been just a. Um, a cultural juggernaut it is something that's widely referenced and within time and then after it, it's easy to forget now what jk Rowling held off making films for for a fair bit like she was there were film options mm. for a very long time before and then the films like obviously pushed into a, an even greater stratosphere when did the fame. first
1: film come out
0: i think the first film
1: first. go on oh yeah so, so it was 2001
0: okay so I, yeah in hindsight, that doesn't seem terribly long, but it, it certainly it felt like, uh, like she was getting a lot of acclaim at the time for, for basically for for holding off until the perfect deal. But then one of the things yeah. so this is going to come in because we are specifically going to be talking out today about Harry Potter, August, on Orchloch. Yeah, uh, which Harry Potter is,
1: is an Orkloch on Lagan beautifully translated by Morwen Nychwelon and it's just it's it's gorgeous because one of the things about Harry mm. Potter is it is a very accessible book. It's very readable. Like with the exception of the terms that are made up, like the magical terms, all the muggles and the quidditches and the Dumbledores and all of that, like it's not a it's not a technically challenging book in any language and it's not meant to be because it's it's for kids. I'd like to remind all of the adults who still like Harry Potter as their favorite book, it's for kids. And the Irish language version is is just it's just like that. It's lovely, you know. The Coney are Winter Dursley in Ivor Private Drive. I can say le mhuivacu garbhshid an nOrmaltigadh Joe. I can brass sauce today. That's just iconic. I love it. It's fantastic. It's simple. It's great. I haven't actually read per se any of the Harry Potter books because my wife got them all on audiobook. Well, sorry. Wife... Oh yeah, yeah. You've
2: talked about this before. Yeah, I've listened <laughs> to them all. I haven't read per se. What? The... As in, Stephen Fry
1: did the heavy lifting for me. He did the reading. (laughs) Yeah, And I just digested it in his silken tones. Which is a hell of a way to read the book, actually. It's
2: really, really good. That's a pretty good way to read the book, in fairness,
0: yeah. Stephen Fry, famous guest star, Ross Naroon.
1: Yeah, yeah. Former Ross Naroon, extra Stephen Fry. There's a lovely story about the audiobooks. Um, I think it's the third book. There was a little phrase in it. Now, the audiobooks were being done rapid. Shortly after the book was released, Mm. Stephen Fry signed the contract and he signed up to do all of the books as they were coming out. So after the third one came out, he was straight in recording the audiobook and there was a little sentence in it. Harry pocketed it. And this was like a shibboleth to Stephen Fry. He could not say it. He was like, Harry pocketed it oh shit, I have to take that again. Harry pocketed it, it. So he finished, he finally belted it out and he turned around to Joe, J.K. Rowling or Joe as he called her and he said, Joe, I- I'm really struggling with that line. Is there any chance I can change it? And she just said, no. <laughs> and he found out love that, that... Love that, Yeah, and not only that, but she squeezed the line into every single one of the subsequent books, in every single one of the books, four, <laughs> five, six, seven. Uh, they... <laughs> The line Harry pocketed it is in it <laughs> just for Stephen Fry.
2: I love that. I love that about her. That's, I mean, I love her in theory at the time. You know, she makes it goddamn hard to love her these days. Ah, but listen, like, you know, I appreciate the art in itself. I appreciate it at the time and how much it meant to me. And many people will feel the same. We'll like get how much, yeah, how class it was at the time. But
1: she's currently pushing the envelope she... on on how much <sighs> an artist can sort of, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> Tiddle away their legacy. Like Imagine if
2: How much go- ima- how much goodwill are your books really worth? Yeah. Like.
0: Imagine if Peg Sayers had a Twitter account and she's saying, Caught was actually by
2: <laughs> I just forgot to mention it. Like. <laughs> oh my god. Shut up, Peg. Yeah. Wait
0: my,
1: my absolute favourite post publication moment from J.K. Rowling was when she was um uh she was asked, you know, like there aren't a lot of ethnic minorities in the books. Like there's a few here and there. Cho Chang stands out as a serious character who's uh, an ethnic minority. But what about what about, for example, Jews? And she goes, Yeah, of course there's a Jewish wizard. Anthony Goldstein, Jewish wizard. It's like, Oh, right, yeah, great, great, well done. That's thanks so much. Like, yeah. And the only Irishman she had in, like, was blowing shit up. Yes. All the time. And his name was Seamus Finnegan.
0: And it was in the nineties. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh it was, it was set in the eighties though, even better, like class time to be blown shit up oh, as an Irish man. <laughs> Was it
0: was it set in the eighties? The books.
2: Yeah, so the books are written, um I think Harry's parents uh I can't remember the exact date, but yeah, Harry's parents were so it started off with the death of Harry's parents, that was kind of the catalyst for the story, and that happened in the eighties. Um and I can't remember it was Halloween night, maybe nineteen eighty two or something, and then okay. Well yeah, so
1: so Harry's nearly as old as Darek?
2: uh, I guess yeah <laughs> I mean the 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 end of the last book is nineteen years later, which is I don't know whatever time that was only um, last
1: year, wasn't it like the it
2: was only yeah two thousand and seventeen maybe would yeah. have been around that time, yeah, or maybe eighteen, I'm not sure,
1: yeah, so Harry Potter's kid started Hogwarts last year or something. Yeah, Twitter. Along those lines. Twitter was aflame With the... <laughs> yes, I was
2: one of those people losing my shit. Today orders, is the that's day. That's how I live my life. Read
0: another fucking book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Little Albus is off to Hogwarts. <laughs>
0: Okay, so... Um, <laughs>
2: anyway,
1: translation. Translation, so... so The reason I was asking, actually, the reason I was asking about when the film came out is because there's a distinct difference between books translated pre-2001 and books translated mm-hmm. post-2001 because when the films came out, Warner Brothers took the heavy hand and they, they sort of said, no, we have a big brand now. This is going to be huge. This is going to be the biggest film franchise in history. We're going to have theme parks and all sorts of stuff. You cannot translate the proper names. Like, you can't do it, so... Gryffindor remains Gryffindor, Hogwarts remains Hogwarts. All of these places have to stay, you know, I- exactly as they are. And that's why in the Harry Potter book, Agus and look, um, the translation is absolutely fantastic by Moira Nicwaelon. But our hands were somewhat tied in that the only name she got permission to translate was the Irish name. So Seamus Finnegan became Seamus O'Finnegan. But apart from that, everyone is exactly the same. So you can't even, even the plural of Gryffindor, his Gryffindors, all of the Gryffindors followed him down the hall. Mm. Lan Gryffindors Nikkei, Blina A. Eh? You know, the even the plurals are sort of are English in their nature, so and that's as distinct from say the French uh, translation, which came out very shortly after the original publication, where they were able yeah. to change the names of say the houses and the sport Quidditch and things like that to make it a bit more française. Like it's a little bit mm-hmm. odd reading a book *Oscar* and the word Quidditch is in it because it's got that Q U construct that's mm-hmm. completely alien to the Irish language.
0: This is it. So, so you are saying that Slytherin isn't is not does not get the the chevu. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, no what is anyway it's an SL oh and yeah it's cr- you're right I, SL, the thing yeah, is is a Y
0: quail so dental is a Y yeah. quail we don't tend to use that that's right so that's uh... but that,
2: in a sense in a sense that actually sort of alleviates a lot of the problems that like some translators would have had well not not problems but some of the issues because um, in her writing of it like um, you know a lot of the, the words and the names and the created words that, that she has have a secondary meaning so you know Gryffindor obviously creates this image and and that that comes she has all this sort of like uh background and where that came from other names like Voldemort has a very specific meaning um and so translating that into other languages sometimes had to get that meaning across and then on the opposite of that it's a little bit like um darth vader in german so when when a german person goes to see star wars they're not surprised that he's his dad in the end spoiler um But like similarly with Voldemort in French, that creates this very uh, obvious uh, indication of something evil, something uh, to do with death, whereas that doesn't necessarily exist in English. So when you remove that um, necessity to to translate uh, certain certain proper nouns that she's created it can actually make life a little bit easier for translators but maybe a little bit less fun as well because you don't get to to create the the new term and be responsible for it so um there's that side of it too it is
0: because this is something that uh, obviously the the larger european languages like german and italian got a got a crack at translating before before irish did and say i think it was in the italian version they had to they, they they had changed Dumbledore's name, and they, uh, they had interpreted Dumbledore as being something to do. They a bit dumb. They would use the word for silence in it, mm. and as opposed to, and J.K. Rowling had intended that Dumbledore was from an old Devon word for a bumblebee. Yeah, exactly. And so, some some
2: languages did translate <laughs> the names.
1: Sorry, I know the silence after that little nugget of information was just beautiful. You know, did you know that Dumbledore comes from an old Devon word that means bumblebee?
2: <laughs> sorry I knew that like I was nodding in agreement over here to oh, see yeah. it. <laughs> um but yeah so some of the languages obviously had to change names I think um uh in Finnish they had to change the translator she had to change uh Professor McGonagall's name to fit with the structures of Finnish just because um so my name causes fierce problems in Finnish because it won't fit with the way that they put prepositions on. So people have a really tough time saying, like, eroding is in the shop. So they're like, oh, I can't fit it into, like, because you add the preposition on. So for ease, for a lot of the names in the Finnish version, they altered them slightly in order to be able to fit with the construct of the language. Um, uh, so it actually, yeah, so some of the names, uh, like Dumbledore, were kept the same, but some of them were changed, not just to fit the structure of the language, but to also fit the... Um, the sort of twee nature of his name, um, being sort of a very sort of grandfatherly, soft, nice figure, um, and to get that across in whatever language it was.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, a fascinating article on it written by uh, Gillian Lathy uh, around the, the travels of Harriet's called International Marketing and the Translation of J.K. Rellings. And one of the things she mentioned that I find very, very interesting is uh, around that that iconic opening line like the, the Dursleys lived in mm. Pri- Private Drive and they were, were very normal. Thank you very much. They. Um, Privet Drive in English has this; it's got this resonance, It sounds like a privy, like it's kind of yeah. like toilet, toilets. They live mm. on Toilet Street. <laughs> it's supposed to make you giggle and go, ah! um, but in Russia, if you spell it privet, it, it looks like privyet, which is the Russian for hello. Yeah. So it's like they couldn't say the jerseys live on Hello Drive. That just looks weird. So they changed it to Privet, which is the Russian for private. And so it sort of took on a new meaning that all of a sudden, instead of being ostentatiously lower middle class, they lived in a gated estate and they were actually quite, quite upper class. It kind of changed the whole, the whole. The whole point of the Dursley family, basically, that they were these uh, you know these lower middle class b- who had notions, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden they became his multi-millionaire aunt and uncle living in a private gated estate. In, in the Russian translation, so these little knock-on effects are are quite funny. Um, but yeah, it's, a lot of them they just had to stay you know set exactly as is, and you know I think that's that's all right. I suppose it's great because it means that if you've only ever read Harry Potter, Agasson, or Cluck, Oscar uh, Elge. Uh, and then you go and you watch a movie on T.G. Kahar, which is dubbed into Gaelic. they've taken the same line mm-hmm. and they've kept everything. Yeah. And and then if you end up watching them in any other language or watching them on Sperla or whatever, you are reading the books on Sperla later on. You don't get
0: lost. You're not going to be like, Gryffindor? What's a
1: Gryffindor? I, I'm from Chuck Kroger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this is... yeah. This is what happened when the Snapper came in after the commitments because they weren't allowed to use the actual names in the book because those rights had already been sold when the commitments were sold.
1: Yeah, so the Rabbit family became the Corley family.
0: And and Bimbo became Lester.
1: Yeah, yeah and uh, and then they kept the... They brought back the Bimbo character for the van.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, but he was... Yeah, and yeah and the guy who played Lester also then played the guy who sold Bimbo the van, Brendan O'Carroll. Very funny. Like was, I have yeah.
2: no idea what I, either of you are talking about. Oh, yeah, so. this, this
1: is before your time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Sounds good though.
1: <laughs> but like the, the, funny, the funny thing about that is like the, the Barrytown trilogy as a set of books is an epic story of the trials and tribulations of one Dublin family. Yeah. And the Barrytown trilogy as a set of films is just three comedies with Colin Meaney in them and yeah. three different dads who are exactly the same.
0: And in some ways the Barrytown Trilogy and Roddy Doyle are an interesting comparison point to J.K. Rowling as we mentioned earlier because of their online Because um, Roddy
2: Doyle is a pain in the hole is it? Their use of social
0: media.
1: Roddy Doyle is a national treasure. All he does is create fiction and give it away for free on social media and people have the temerity and the nerve to complain about. He is not pissing away his legacy like so many artists that are out there. He's out there just creating content and just giving it to us and it's absolutely yeah, lovely. Do you
2: remember do you remember when when you two put that album on everybody's iPhone yeah, but that nobody bias, asked he's not
1: for? It, he's not putting it onto anyone's iPhone. <laughs> you don't have to follow his Facebook page. You, know, you like, don't have to see like this. Saying, oh,
2: it's just on your iPhone. You don't have to listen to it. Like, get off my phone. But it <laughs>
1: like, ah.
2: get, get out of my eyes, Roddy. <laughs> Stop.
1: No. Like, up with this, I will not put. Okay. This is...
0: Listen, I mean I mean maybe it was just it it got quite bad in twenty sixteen when a lot of famous people were dying. And then it was like Do you know who's dead? Two points there, Seamus. And the yeah, it was getting to the point where though is is Roddy Doyle killing famous people? (laughs) (laughs) For (laughs) like
1: the mother for legal the motherfucking legal team would like to make it clear that Roddy Doyle is not in fact a murderer,
0: to the best of our knowledge. We'd like to point that that was just basically a kind of a a dark humorous comment on the fact that yes, so much of his humor was bereavement related. In 2016,
1: I sure what else are you gonna laugh at in 2016? <laughs> Jesus <Anyway>. Christ!
0: Because <laughs> people do have ask, you know. Sometimes every now and then, I, I tweet a word in Irish, and someone would say that looks a bit like a Harry Potter word. For example, "muggle" looks there's an old it's a, there's an old word in used in Breton law for uh, for uh-huh. for a slave, which is "mug," and this is like the lowest order in um this is the lowest order in was it, uh, it was a society. F- female
1: slave, wasn't it? it was like the Male lowest slave. Huh? Male. Slave. I was a male slave, so it wasn't the lowest order of slavery. Oh.
0: Yeah, it, but yeah, but it was uh, the lowest order of male kind of uh, things. But but, so I'm assuming. Well, that looks a bit like Muggle, and Muggles are fairly low in the old ma- magic orders. So uh, maybe J.K. Oh. Rowling got it from there. But there's there's no. Help. Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, exactly.
2: She didn't though. Like sometimes coincidences happen, mate. Like, uh, relax. I not everything is Harry Potter, and I say that as an arid fan. Like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's so and, and this is the thing when I when every summer a certain stream of tweets start happening when Sky Sports starts showing bit of hurling and some of our friends over in the, in the United Kingdom in you know, specifically in Britain and England start seeing hurling when they're flicking around the channels and they start saying, "Oh, have you seen this game hurling? It's, you know, it's it's remarkable." Oh, it's insane, mate. It's insane. It's like it's like a cross between
1: cricket and grievous bodily harm. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hurling.
0: It's like, and you, you get this a lot, it's like angry Quidditch. But it's not like angry Quidditch, does it? I mean, hurling's like hurling.
2: I mean, angry Quidditch is, is just Quidditch. Like, that's, like, I'm sorry, have you read nothing about the game? It's really angry. There's people who literally, like, their job is to hit angry balls at you and knock you off your broom and kill you. Like, that's, like, well, how, sorry, how is hurling more angry than that?
1: Um. And magic has been banned in hurling since 1892. Yeah.
2: Exactly. You're not allowed to use magic the, in the it. Inf- Flying is forbidden in Crow Park.
1: The infamous game between Tipperary and the Gryffindor Miners.
0: Dr. Kickin was very strict <laughs> on that point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, let's. Okay, we were kind of hinting at J.K. Rowling soiling the legacy and, you know, just continuously tweeting nonsense and, you know, basically ruining all the goodwill she built up with her books. Nothing, nothing has ruined Harry Potter more than people playing actual Quidditch. Actual real life people playing an actual game that they call Quidditch on actual broomsticks that they can't fly.
2: Listen, I, I don't know. I'm living in a country where hobby horsing is an actual sport, so I don't know. I don't know if I can make a, a any sort of comment on that. Other than you do you, bro? If you <laughs> want to play Quidditch? You go right ahead.
1: <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't. Like, there's so many sports that they could play that are sports that are not just watered-down versions of a fantasy game. It's like, no, mate, you can't play Quidditch because you can't fly. It's flying oh, but is... Oh, the,
2: the child in them. No, there's a little... There's an eight-year-old kid in them who's just like, I'm playing Quidditch. Why can't it's that, finally happening. Why can't that eight-year-old... seeker.
1: Why can't that eight-year-old kid be playing <laughs> Olympic handball or, or chess or, you know... This is... I
2: don't know how like the logistics of it work like like the, you've you've taken the form first of all of full on da like you've become a dad like it's happened like why can't they play a sport that I like like uh, I don't understand sorry I said I
1: said Olympic handball angry. and chess deliberately as sports that I have no vested interest in at all I just want them to do them I want them to be happy I want them to be healthy I want them to be exercising but I don't want them to get beaten up by school bullies while they do it like if you're playing a sport it should make uh, you cool not nerdy it's
0: it's, it's sound- the only sport in the world that makes you more of a geek it sounds like Bloomsday for millennials uh,
2: yeah that's probably exactly what it is sorry <laughs> uh, no, no, that is yeah, what it but is but the difference
1: in this case is, on, they, they, is the difference in this case is they have read the book <laughs> okay
2: that's true also they have read the book and probably several times because like it wasn't uncommon okay it's the only book they've ever read yeah. they read it once Bloomsdale, for christ's sake
1: yeah. joycee and cosplayers like, okay
0: we're let's
2: it was like young young people would have their like bloomsdale back in the 90s when the books all came out like i would go with my parent like my my, my poor mam drove me to like bookshops at like midnight to it like in full Harry Potter like cosplay, like to get the books and then I would read them that night for fear of somebody ruining on the book. Me. <laughs> um, and it was just the most wonderful experiences. That is, and I That's
1: genuinely my favorite like, that's so thing. Lovely. That's my favorite thing about the Harry Potter phenomenon was that it got yeah. people so Head up and excited for the launch of a book, like it was brilliant. Yeah. I thought that was just that just gave me a warm feeling all over to see it happening. Even though I didn't, I didn't go next or near the Harry Potter books until much much later. Like I, 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 I absorbed them by osmosis on a long holiday driving around the country with my wife, listening to them on audiobook. and I loved it. It was great, uh, and we would even listen to them in the, in hotel rooms. Like you know, it was just it was just mm. lovely, but at the time, watching it, at this stage, like, and I'm going to sound like I'm being such an arrogant asshole. I mean, I am an arrogant asshole, but I'm going to sound like I'm really being one day. I was already reading books for grown-ups when I was a teenager, so I did not need to read books for teenagers, and I didn't read books for teenagers at that stage, so I didn't read Harry Potter. It was a conscious choice not to, but I was so delighted that people were getting mad excited about the launch of a book. I thought, this is class, like, you know, this is brilliant, and it is fantastic. It's great, but like,
2: And it was so wonderful to be involved in that because like that, like I I read my first Harry Potter book when I was eight. So I, and I, the last one came out 10 years, 10 years after the first one. So the last one came out 2000 and or 2007 maybe Um, so I had been reading it all the way up along so I had effectively grown up with these characters they were of similar ages to me when I was reading and they were growing along with me and it was such a a, like you know similar peers like friends that I'd gone to school with were the same Um, and a lot of people feel that way that this was something that like if I look back on different stages of my life like when I was a child I was big into Winnie the Pooh I love that and then when I was uh of that sort of between the ages of eight and about 18 it was harry potter was with me the whole way along and it was such a nice thing to grow up with that um and you know say what you like about the books now or whether or not they stand the test of time whatever like i still enjoy like that aspect and connecting back to that that is um so easy to do with those books because all i had to do was open with those books in any language and i have read it in a couple of languages um uh and it just brings me right back to where I was when I first read it. And it's such a lovely experience. And I love
1: that about it. Yeah, it's it's super to be following a series and, you know, to, to sort of go along with the series and to be excited. And I love being impatient for the next book that comes along in a series. And like there's two yeah. There's two of them I'm reading at the moment. And I'm, I, I'm really frustrated because, you know, hurry up and write the book, will you? Like it's just, it's like <laughs> Bernard Cornwell and Jim Butcher, two of my favorite authors. I'm so... Uh, I'm so in, engaged I'm so deep into you know a series that each of them is writing and I just I can't fucking wait for the next one it's like I, I do, no why'd you end it on a cliffhanger I need to know what happens like it's just it's brilliant I mean it's it's a brilliant frustration it's fantastic you know I just hope neither of them die before the next book comes out, thankfully they're both <laughs> relatively young men and they can keep writing. And it's yeah, please, 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 just finish or leave the man, leave the manuscripts knocking around. Like just <laughs> leave them knocking around. I know how the people who are reading Game of Thrones feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Only mine have not been ruined yeah. by television series yet.
0: <laughs> so, let's have a quick chat with some of the terms that actually have been translated in the book. Uh the the department the Department of Magic? The ministry magic. Ministry uh, magic. Ministry right, magic. I uh, beg your pardon. Yeah. Obviously, ministry is, is in, in Ireland, we refer to a ministry as a department and specific. So, the Department of Education would be on Renajakis. But, so, and uh, following that practice, the ministry magic is on Ren yeah. Or on Rhein yeah. if
1: you're a monster. Yeah. yeah, that makes
2: sense.
0: Is it? I'm f-
1: furiously scanning through the book to see. I'll take your word for it. I <laughs> you may. You've, 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 you've looked it up. On Ryan Drichter, I guess on uh, so on Tara Drichter, on Arra on Aaron Um Aaron the Drichter. I don't know.
0: Aaron um. Drichter, yeah, and then it'll be uh, his assistant will be a Rooney Arduetto.
1: Yeah, Ard Rooney, isn't it? Ard Rooney, the general... they kind of... It's weird when you translate something, you have to sort of, like, do I just translate the words or do I translate the convention so that somebody from the culture I'm translating it into understands this? So they they don't have... Yeah,
2: that's such an interesting problem that, like, came up in lots of the books, like, in... Like, because you have all of these conventions that are, like, fine in Britain. Like, things like... I remember reading about the translation into French for, um things like prefects and head boy or head girl, which is like a totally common thing in like British schools and in Irish schools to an extent as well. But like it's, it really doesn't happen in French schools. So like, they gave the translation, so they gave a translation for prefect, and then the translator actually also included a, a very small explanation for what those things were. But they didn't give an explanation that this is totally normal in British schools. So, like a French reader might be led to perceive that, oh, this is just a magical thing. This is just a thing that happens in Harry Potter world and prefects. So, then later in life, when they encounter prefects, they're like, oh, like in Harry Potter. And then we have this like, cycle rec- recreating <laughs> itself. Like...
1: No, like in any
0: British school. Uh... Publi- yeah. British public school.
1: Yeah, they have prefects and head boys oh, and head girls. Okay, I mean. yeah, but they, even yeah. in modern comprehensives, they, they have don't
0: those. have bozers
1: and oh no, no bozers and fags. Bozos, as Roldal went through, yeah. yeah. The
0: actually, I have
2: no idea what that means. Oh, have you
1: not read Boy by Roldal? Yeah,
2: it's... I have done, but like. Yeah, years so ago, so like, when he went I to, I don't remember when
1: he went to Eton, a prefect was called a bozer, and every bozer okay. had what was unfortunately known as a fag. And the fag was the boy oh, who would um, do tasks for him, including such uh, glamorous tasks as warming up the toilet seat on a cold winter's morning.
2: Oh, I remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. so that was, that, that was
1: part. Roald Dahl's job as a fag to his house And I- uh, It's just weird. It's weird. Like, And I mean, you kind of understand where J.K. Rowling got words like muggle and quidditch because the English are yeah. mental.
0: They just are, Mad,
2: aren't they? Like...
0: As a slight correction, it was Repton rather than Eton uh, that Roald Dahl went to. But that—that's. But the only reason I mention it is Same that, difference. No, he though. moved to Eton. He was the captain
1: of the Eton's fives, fives team.
0: Well, uh, okay. But I think I think the the Bowser thing is, is actually specific in Repton. Repton. The reason is that different schools have different names for these roles. And the school that Jeremy Clarkson went to, instead of calling them Fags, they called them Stigs. And that's where that thing came from. That's why the... Uh-huh the particular bro on top gear was uh was given that name because it was basically an underling in, in a public school it's true yeah repton posers uh what a shame so the um i guess and the that in in some ways like it's interesting that that some people have said that that harry potter is, is a book about a boy who's told a middle class boy who's totally sent to a private school <laughs> yeah it's real oh it's... wow that hurts me <laughs> it's true so and then and, and <laughs> And one of the reasons I, I t- touch on this is because, say, in, in this was there was a moment in in, in British history, nineteen ninety seven was Harry Potter happened, the Spice Girls happened, and New Labour happened. And, and
1: Britpop, Britpop went into a, a whole
0: new level. Yes, in that it started, they started marketing Scottish music as Britpop and stealing it as, <laughs> as being. As but no, that's that's getting together. But the. Um, so Harry Potter has been very significant in, it, it, they have said it made boarding schools. Boarding schools were significantly on the decline beforehand and they became quite popular again. Uh, oh, yay. Well, and, well done. <laughs> and also they, they reckon this was that the popularity of Harry Potter, some people have attributed as one of the reasons that the Labour Party under Tony, under Tony Blair's stewardship softened their opposition to private schools. Because of Harry Potter. No, I'm not playing. Oh,
2: stop. No, I do not allow that to happen. It is not. Okay, she's responsible for a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, let's be fair. Like, JK Rowling is responsible for a lot of shit. A lot of shit. (laughs) But she's not responsible for New Labour being, like, Tory light. Yeah. No, you know, no, I mean, she's,
0: not. Sh- she's not. She's not responsible because they happen at the same time. If 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 yeah. if J.K. Rowling happened first, you could say that. Yeah. But they but I mean but but I mean like
1: like many multimillionaires, she has unfortunately become a proper Tory. Like she has unfortunately gone down I that know. route of being a former Labour supporter who now can't understand that they've let somebody like Jeremy Corbyn oh. have the keys. Uh not realizing that, you know, that's what the party's supposed to be about, Joe. But you know but it, these it, things happen when you have a lot of money. You kind of like policies that let you keep a lot of money, and that that happens.
0: But if you put like yeah, Enid Blythe and C.S. Lewis, Jake uh, J.R. Tolkien, and J.K. Rowling in room and Roldal, they're all Tories. I don't know.
1: I mean, are they? Are they but, really? Yes. All of
0: them? Like like Roldal's literally. He had a oh, card saying he was a member of the member oh.
1: of the Conservative Party. Yeah, but
2: like or or <laughs> but are they just all? tans like is
0: that what it is are they just all tans is that what it is is that the common denominator well was c.s lewis uh... c.s lewis was irish yeah, he was he was he was, he, was uh, he, and he died before the troubles really kicked in so he would always what? sorry c.s lewis
2: was irish what? He's, he's
0: from northern ireland yes yeah. he's from like he was he went to he, he was from outer belfast uh he grew up he spent most of his adult right. life learn the witch on the wardrobe so nice. us. <laughs> he spent most Tell of me this
2: now. his As as a Scottish man asked me on a bus one day to Helsinki, if if Celtic and Rangers were playing, who'd he be shouting for?
0: I think it's fair to say C.S. Lewis would probably have been supporting Rangers, but...
2: Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: So,
1: Sorry, C.S. Lewis wrote a book about children escaping <laughs> through a wardrobe into a fantasy land. I'm going to take a guess that C.S. Lewis wasn't big into sports.
0: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> just well saying, it wasn't just- really a sport question just- that I was asking. <laughs>
0: I think the yeah well. no shit So funnily enough uh CS Lewis and Tolkien were were pals and uh and CS Lewis actually had been an initially um had been an atheist, and his friendship with Tolkien made him revisit Christianity. And like a lot of people who were atheists and then go back to church, he became really, really into it. Oh, there's no zealot
1: like a convert. Uh,
0: no zealot like a convert, but he was just—he happened to just be very good at communicating those ideas. But during World War One, his nickname was the Belfast Butcher because he really, really enjoyed the war. Whoa! <laughs>
2: wow! That this, is a fun I like, fact. I love, this, this is a fun tangent that we went on. <laughs>
0: What the fuck? Talking didn't enjoy the war at all.
1: So C.S. Lewis had a penchant for bloodshed. Right.
2: Uh,
1: and he just... She just had do had a you know what? what?
2: Not surprised. Not one bit surprised. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Not at all.
1: So it, the religiosity of, of the Narnia series yes. is very obvious. You know, Aslan sacrificing himself as a, a Jesus-like character and is resurrected and so on and so forth. The chosen few and all that. Like, is there... Is there an element of obvious religiosity in Harry Potter? Is that something that's maybe conscious? Or I'm asking Carradine, so I, I just don't want you to answer, directly.
2: <laughs> I think it's probably definitely um, judo-Christian centric. Like, it's obviously very centred around, like, Western culture mm-hmm. and very centred around that idea. And there is, I suppose, the, the last books and the idea that there is some sort of afterlife in a sense, um, Because there is a connection to that when some of the characters who've died do come back, and I I know uh, JK Rowling has talked about it before that the main theme of this book and the main theme that she perceives in the book and the books is death and this uh, connection to people that we've lost, so that there is that sort of I suppose religious element to it. But in a sense, I would find that somewhat quite comforting, and I, I know people have found comfort in the way that it's been perceived and the sort of the realization that you can't you can't make a connection with those people again what you can do is sort of uh this got really deep really quick mm. <laughs> um you can like sort of honor their memory and remember them and remember the good things but being too focused on the past and trying to um to reconnect with something that's gone is not going to bring you joy not going to bring you happiness and that's obviously some of the best things that, that JK Rowling wrote are the things that she felt herself. So she struggled a lot with depression um, and she wrote about the Dementors um, and how they made people feel that was a direct connection to her struggles with depression. So some of the best parts of the books come from a very real place and come from something that's very real to a lot of us. So one of them being the Mirror of rise, and Harry sits a lot of time looking at this mirror because he can see his family, something that he's always wanted and just can't have and it's very sad and heartbreaking in a sense, but also um, there is that I suppose, religious connection to it, but I don't know, I mean, better people than me, have probably argued it better, but there is a religious <laughs> connotation to it, but I, I'm not sure if it's there.
1: What, what, first of all, there are no better people than you, you're a Gryffindor, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you need to own <laughs> that. The, the, the one thing I really love about it is how um, there is a sort of a vestigial afterlife in Harry Potter, but only if you're magic. If you're a muggle, nah, sorry. No, Hermione's parents, no, nah, they're never coming back. Nope, nope, nope. Forget about them. Gone. Nope. It's kind of like, you know.
2: What? Yeah, like. Oh, I don't know about that. What? Only the magic. Only where mag- are you getting this from?
1: Only the magic people come back. You know, the only ghosts that you see, the only people that hang around, the only echoes of the past are, are magic people.
2: So the people, the people who are ghosts are just They are just projections, effectively. So they've no connection to the other world. They're actually not gone on to this other world. They're just projections of it left behind. Ah, so Um, actually, what it is is
1: witches can't get into heaven.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Again, there's a lot of things wrong with Harry Potter, but that's not what.
1: Pope Benedict was not a fan. Not a fan. God bless him. It's... He
2: was, which made me love it even more. <laughs> if a pope is going to tell me not to do it, what sign me the up. Right. Can,
1: can, 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 can we go back to to um, what we should have been talking about for the last twenty five <laughs> minutes? Yeah, I know. The translation. You wrote notes. Guardian wrote notes, and we should you should pay her some goddamn respect. Yeah, I did. W- one of the things that I and I say this as someone who's worked in translation uh, on various different things. One of the real challenges in translation is the way people talk and how that can be conveyed. And in the English language text, one example that springs to mind is the way Hagrid talks, right? Ruby yeah. is Hagrid, uh, you know, uh, the groundskeeper of Hogwarts. And the person who tells Harry famously, you're a wizard, Harry. And, and you know, that's spelled out Y-E-R, you're, you're a wizard. But in the yeah. Irish language version, he speaks pretty much Gaelge Caedánach, just like everybody else. Because, Ooh. you know, there is, I, I, I would find it very difficult to find a way of getting informality of language across in an Irish language text without it all of a sudden becoming very complex for the novice reader. So it's a A a, a conscious choice. A
2: political issue as well. You know, if you have Hagrid with a very obvious West Kerry accent, like rude. (laughs) Because there is connotations about like, you know, Hagrid's this kind of lovable fool and he speaks in this very sweet accent. And sure, lots of the characters have accents, but he's the only one who's actually, his accent is written into the text. Um, so some some translators just ignored it. Um, I know in, I think it's Ukrainian, the Ukrainian text, they gave him like a, I think it's an East Ukrainian accent, which would be like a kind of a culture accent. Like, so they gave that to him. Um, so he spoke in that like dialect or whatever. But yeah, when it comes to Irish, it can be really difficult because if you're writing it in standard Irish, maybe a lot of the, the, the source, I suppose, target market for that the book is not native Irish speakers. It's for schools and stuff, you know, it's for learners. Um, people like me, I read it when I was like still learning Irish. And so like a dialect in there would have like totally f- me up. Like I would have not have been able for that. <laughs> um, and he's a central character to it. So he's a lot of the, you know, he ends up like progressing the story a lot. So that would have been really complicated.
1: Yeah, and there's there's other little things that, that like the Hagrid character has in the English language text to kind of convey his, you know, that he's very obviously not one of the professors, that he's, you know, the idiot uh. that they tolerate and put into the grounds. It, his use of malapropisms and self-correction all the time. You know, like the, are you going to go in the what's-it? Flying car. Uh, and that's that's absent as well curiously absent from a, a quick read of harry potter and Orclook, because such a sentence construction wouldn't make an awful lot of sense in irish as well you know we can't have that sort of looping around sentence structure and have it make sense to the native speaker or to the or to the novice reader yeah. so it's it's that's gone as well and it's it's unfortunate it i mean it i don't think it detracts too much from the overall story but it certainly does take away these elements of the character that uh, somebody who had perhaps first read the book in English and fallen in love with the characters the way they are there uh, would find mm. a little bit different and challenging.
2: And then I think that also um, sort of speaks to sort of some cultural aspects that maybe if you're reading it and like, um, and we talked before the show about how this, uh, it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, but it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in the United, er, the United States because it was perceived that philosopher was too much of an archaic word and kids wouldn't understand it. So they changed it in that context. But if you're reading even the English text in the United States, maybe you're like, I don't understand what's happening with this character's voice. Like, I don't get it that that's a particular accent that gives an indication of like, say maybe their their background or where they're from or who they are. Huh. Um, and a lot of those things came up in the book. So they had to change some of the words. Like there's a famous seat. Well, it's not famous. Sorry, it's it's not one bit famous. But anyway, <laughs> uh, J... <laughs> It's famous to me hmm. uh Ginny so Ron's little sister is looking for her jumper so she runs downstairs and she's like mommy have you seen my jumper but like in the United States they're like what the hell is a jumper like, <laughs> so it's sweater they, they talk about sweater or um they you know at some of the Hogwarts events they have like big feasts and stuff and they have jelly and that obviously means something else in America. be yeah, yeah. So changing those things is even from one language to another or from the same language, but just in a different cultural context is really interesting and in how translators and not even just translators, but sort of like cultural markers need to be um, edited for the market that you're selling it to.
0: But it has been said that they found that but in the early 2000s, they reckoned that there's more UK English loan words in American English than the other way around. While English people often give out about Americanisms, they reckon that between the increasing popularity of soccer after David Beckham, the Harry Potter books, and I, then I blame the Beatles and and yes <laughs> and and American journalists using the Guardian or the Daily Mail as a source because their websites were so like were were weren't behind um, paywalls. They reckoned that without you, you started finding words like autumn, university, and ginger, particularly ginger as an insult, popping up just, a lot more. Just ginger,
1: ginger is definitely not an Americanism, no?
0: I think ginger is it just happened again that it was uh, it's it's mentioned a lot in Harry Potter isn't it they were, yeah Harry Potter again in the
2: 90s so Yeah I
1: know that that became a meme several years ago uh, when memes first started like you know, the whole ginger's not having a soul thing yeah. was 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 quite mimetic for a good period of time there but yeah it, it never occurred to me that the word ginger as a descriptor of a person wouldn't be intrinsically american as well that's well, fascinating
0: and yeah, again, again, the same the the fact that it, it overlapped with the Spice Girls as well.
1: Ginger Spice, yeah, she has a lot to answer oh, for. Yeah, a true. lot to answer for lot of Um
2: if we could just uh, one of my favorite things about yeah getting back to it uh, one of my favorite bits of translation um, there's all of these like it's kind of one of the most famous uh, aspects of translation in the Harry Potter books um, because it's such a, a integral part of the story is uh, Tom Riddle's name so uh, for again for those of you who don't know so Tom Riddle is Voldemort he was like born Tom Marvolo Riddle and that name is an anagram for I am Lord Voldemort so there's a famous scene in uh uh, the chamber of Secrets, which is the second book where uh it becomes harry's using this uh diary and it's owned by somebody who was named tom marvolo riddle and it's magical and as it turns out spoiler it's lord Voldemort's uh uh diary when he was a child and also spoiler for later books it's a horcrux whatever (laughs) let's move on but one of the major parts of of that obviously is that that it becomes an anagram. So that poses a huge problem then when you have to translate that, and an even bigger problem when you've translated the first book first and you've not thought anything about the fact that Voldemort has to be an anagram, and then the second book comes along and you're like, oh shit, man! Now I've got it. <laughs> now I've I've, I've
1: I, done I have to invent to whole... <laughs> the worst middle name in history yeah. to make this shit yeah. fit. <laughs>
2: Right, right. And that's, that's not a problem in the Irish book because the, the first book is only translated. That's the way with a lot of minority languages. They've only translated the first book. So, like, problem solved. Like, no bother to you. But, like, some of the translations, they get really creative. I know with the um, the Finnish translation, they kind of got creative. They used a colloquialism to say Matt Otla Voldemort, and then they, they worked the, the name around that. Uh, with the Swedish translation... They used Ego Sum egg Lord Voldemort, which is the Latin I am uh, Lord Voldemort, rather than using the Swedish because it was just like a pain in the hole. So <laughs> yeah, I thought it, Lord Voldemort or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I think the uh, Voldemort's middle name in French is Elvis for Je suis Lord Voldemort, whatever. Um, so it's really interesting to see. And I, I think that's like my favorite part of translation when I worked in it. It was so fun in a sense that... Um, you know, you have an end goal that you have to get to. You have to get to this end goal for where this name is an anagram of this name. But the way you get to it, you can do whatever you like. So the way that you can get around that um, can be so creative. And that's such a, like, I, I always find that for me, translation is a mixture of math or science and art. So the science being that you have to get to the end goal, you have to get to the same solution, but the art is the way you get there. I think it's just such a beautiful thing about translation, particularly when it's translation of literature, rather than like law or something more um, that needs to be quite, quite accurate or quite, quite true to the original text, where it's something like literature, a translator can have like oodles of fun with it. And they do. Um, the Finnish translator, for example, uh, her name is Jana Kapari Yatta. And she actually won some awards for her translation of the Harry Potter books because they're so good. She's actually written a book about the translation of the Harry Potter books. And for a while I was like, oh man, I hope there's an English translation of that book so I can read it. And then I was like, what the fuck would be the point of that? Like, like I've written a book about translating our Harry Potter books into Finnish. And now I've translated it into English and lost all of the meaning. Like, <laughs> um but, like, it's it's so fun to see the way that the translators work and how creative they can be, um, and they have been, and how these books have facilitated creativity in a sense, but also caused problems as well.
0: Great stuff. Karen, thank you for that. So um, you you can find Harry Potter, August, or Cluck, wherever you get, uh, wherever you get your Irish books. On get it, Hour. It's
1: published by Bloomsbury, and it is uh, lovely. The latest edition has a... Uh, lovely uh, dust cover um, designed by Johnny Duddle and it's uh, absolutely gorgeous. It would make a perfect gift for anyone interested in uh, picking up an Irish language book for the first time. One of the things you can do, a real good tip is if you have a copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, get Harry Potter, Augustine uh-huh. and look, use the original text instead of a dictionary and you'll fly along. You'll really, really enjoy it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, whatever gets you reading. Yay!
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, it's a salon from me. It's a salon from
2: And a salon from me.
0: Catch you next time. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
2: Irish. i, I
1: got to be honest with you, Derek, would you hang on until we know what we're saying?
2: Okay. So.